savings conquers every problem you've got. It, it because not only are you accumulating the capital, um, but you also are spending less. So your lifestyle addiction, your addiction to lifestyle, which is something I've I've trademarked and speak of all over the place, yes. it's it's reduced. You don't require as much. And so you've now got the capability to cash flow college because you're not used to spending all that money because you've been saving. Right. Savings is the penicillin for the financial disease. I've never put it that way before. That's 100% accurate. Thanks for listening and welcome to Rewrite the Rules, the podcast that shows you there is no one right way to live your life. I'm your host, Alex Starr, and I want to expose you to new lifestyles, mindsets, and stories of adventure from around the globe. So pour your favorite drink, roll up a joint, and let's get going. Welcome to episode 36. I have Joe Delisi on the podcast today. He is a financial guru, and he is taking your guys' questions. I put out the word on Facebook. Um, I had some emails, a lot of good questions, and I just basically proposed what you guys wanted to know, the top millennial questions for our finances, um, and he answered them. He lays out four stages to financial freedom, four ways to take control of your finances instead of letting it control you. Because that's what this is all about, isn't it? We keep hearing from these travelers, we keep hearing from Navy SEALs, we keep hearing from all these people that are getting up and moving around and doing all these things, but we all need money. You can't do these things unless unless we have money and we're figuring that out. So we got to take control of our finances. I know mine are fucked. Parts of mine are definitely really fucked. Um, and so hopefully this guy's give, gives you guys some... Um, insight into how to pay off your credit card loans, how to pay off your student loans. Should you invest or should you save? Should you be saving up for a down payment or should you not worry about it? What the hell is up with retirement? So many things and I'm super grateful for Joe. Uh, He really lays it out clearly with humor instead of kind of being this, you should be doing that and this. Uh, So it's really helpful. I hope you guys take a lot out of it. As always, find me at alexstar.com. You can find the video to this. Uh, I went live on Facebook as well, and would love to hear your guys' feedback. I'm available at alex at alexstar.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So, uh, enjoy this show. I will see you guys next Tuesday for a fresh episode. curious and man you saw i think i tagged you on my facebook post i yeah yeah and i kind of asked people on my uh, social media what are some of the biggest questions and i got so much feedback from people and it kind of i mean amazing feedback and it started to just kind of follow this trend of uh and you know my demographic is i would say you know 20 to 35 year olds got it so more like the millennial generation i'm 28 so um but it really seemed to follow these trends and I kind of wanted to just shoot you over some of your what what your thoughts are on these yeah. major major trends that people have that just kept coming up over and over again. A lot of them apply to my life too. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so, like one of the first ones here is from Sabrin, and she says, "My husband and I always fight about this. He thinks it's better to clear debt before buying a home. I think it's better to get a home first and pay off the debt as you live in the nice house." Lol. <laughs> I'm sure certain details can change, but what's better? And that's something I have too. It's like I have $25,000 in student loan debt still from undergraduate. And it's like, yeah, do I use 
when I have money, if I start, you know, when I have my income, do I put that towards a down payment? Do I put it towards savings? Do I put it towards, you know, a 401k, blah, blah, blah. Or do I just say, fuck all of that. I have to put, turn off my, you know, my debt first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you two answers. One is the, what, what did I actually do? Uh, I've I've never done anything but this. So I I was a business owner right out of college, made every mistake in the book, you know, in this industry. Um, so what I did was I acquired, I'll give you the, what I did first and I'll tell you really what you should do. Okay. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So I did, uh, I acquired about 75 grand of credit card debt, um, building this, this business. Yeah. Okay. At least it was for a good cause. It was for a good cause. Well, we say that now, Um, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, shit, I could have gone the opposite way. I could be broke as a joke. Um, but you know, back then I had no kids, no family. So if I screwed it up, it was just me. Um, and there's power in that. I think that's smart. Anyway, so I acquired all this debt. I had student loan debt. I had, you know, car debt. Um, and then I thought it would be a really good idea to buy a home. Uh, and back then, you could still do it. That was 2001. In fact, okay. it, I, I closed on the house the Friday after 9-11, um, oh, which was wow. like a few days. Yeah, wow. it was bizarre. So um, that was exactly probably the wrong thing to do. I really lucked out because I bought that, uh, that home in, in uh, D.C., and I think I sold it in 2006 and I bought it for like 199 grand and I sold it for 425. But wow. if I, if, if the real estate didn't do that, man, I would have been so screwed. So here's what I would tell 25, 35, 45 year old Joe or, or Alex or Sabrin, I think was the Sabrin, name. Sabrin, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a four step process I tell everybody to follow and it's not sexy. So nobody ever wants to do it, but here's how it works. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Step one is you actually need to protect first. Um, and that's counterintuitive. What I mean, especially if you're married, I mean, you need to make sure you've got um, the right kind of lawsuit protection in, in place through your, uh, your uh, car and home insurance provider. You got to make sure you've got income protection in place, disability insurance. Um, you better make sure you've got some life insurance in place, especially if you're married. Um, you got to have that kind of foundational stuff done first. Protection is the first thing. Okay. The second thing is you got to make sure you're a very, very, very good saver. I call it being a, a world-class saver. First, I was hoping you were going to save that. I was hoping that we were just going to skip over the saving part of this. Yeah, whole conversation. that's no fun. <laughs> it's like, how do I lose weight? Oh man, just eat whatever the hell you want and sit on the couch. Right, right. Like, <laughs> cool, perfect. Right, and that didn't work that way. So you got to become a really good saver. Uh, minimum fifteen to twenty percent. There's no magic in that. Everybody pretty much says the same thing, but you got to get that behavioral part down. Minimum 15 to 20. Okay, cool. Minimum. And, you know, mm-hmm. for my close friends, I'm going to tell you it's 20 and up. I mean, wow. it really is. Okay. Uh, we can get into that later as to okay. why, but that's, okay. that's the deal. Okay. Um, third thing is you, uh, you, the third thing is you get liquid. So you mentioned a 401k and every millennial I know, hell, every baby boomer I know, what they do is they stick everything that they've got into their 401k, mm-hmm. which seems to make sense because everybody tells you to do that. The problem is it's not very liquid. Uh, you can't access that easily. And even if you can through a loan, there's all these stipulations and rules and things like that. And I just can't stand that stuff, for, for especially for young marrieds. Um, so I'm going to fly in the face of, of uh, tradition here. And I'm going to tell you, protect first, world-class saver second. Be liquid third, meaning that savings should just go into a boring old savings account. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Don't invest it. Don't worry. I mean, save it. Just put it into a savings account. So that 20% you're talking about for the second stage, that should just be in my Wells Fargo basic savings account doing basically nothing. 
you got it. Okay. And, and here's what'll happen. Here's what'll happen. Okay. People start saying things like, um, cause I've been doing this 20 years. Yeah. They'll say things like, well, I'm not getting any interest on that. Right. That's not its job. It's okay. not its job. The job of that money is to sit there and look pretty. That's okay. it. And emergency uh, fund. The six month thing of like having money for six months, kind of, you know, to be able to live for six months, if you lose your job or an emergency, it's for that or. It could be that. I mean, six okay. months is sort of an antiquated idea, um, oh, okay. you know, for, for young people who are more mobile and can create capital quicker through doing things online and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. it can be less than that. Okay, cool. But if you're going to buy a home, I mean, that was her question really. If you're, if you're thinking about buying a home, 401k is not going to do you a damn bit of good. Right, um, right. You know, it's, it's actually going to do the opposite. It's going to lock up all this capital you can't use. You, you can't even borrow. I mean, you can't go to a bank and like use it as collateral. Um, you know, IRAs and 401ks can't be used that way. Right. So protect, save 20%, 15, 20%, keep it liquid. Number four is pay down that debt. Okay. So to answer her question directly, I agree with her husband. I think she should be paying down that debt first and then you can acquire the home. Again, is that like, if you don't do it that way, you're going to fail? No, I did it that way and it worked. But, you know, if you follow that formula that I just laid out, you're going to be more successful than not. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and it's interesting that you said that, um, you know, can you do it another way and it fails? And like, I mean, how you got accrued a bunch of debt and then you bought a house and the real estate market happened to go up and you said yourself, if it went the other way, you would have been totally screwed. So, yeah. Um, but I think you're right. Like following, it, it seems to me that like the financial world is kind of following these formulas and sticking to them no matter what the market is doing. Is that more or less correct? And just hundred percent. Okay. 100% correct. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I will tell you flat out. Um, yeah, I'm a certified financial planner. I've got all the designations and degrees. I will usually disagree. 80% of the time I'm looking at what my industry is putting out there and saying, that's exactly the wrong advice to give. Um, and I feel like millennials are, are positioned to hear that because, you know, they're breaking the rules anyway. Right. Um, you know, I mean, look what you're doing for a career. You're not following what my grandfather did or what my father did. Right, um, right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, why would you, why would you then assume that every old guy on radio or TV who's telling you to do it a certain way, like, why would you assume that's right? Right. Uh, so yeah. you got to rewrite the rules. <laughs> I mean, unless you want what everyone's got, which is, I'll tell you for the most part, you've probably seen this yourself. Most people in America are fat and they're broke. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it's, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, when people are, the advice coming from, 50 years plus are people that were born and raised, you know, and I look at my parents and, and a lot of the advice they give me, it's, it's always interesting to like, you want to take advice from the older generation, right? It's like, wow, they're wise. They've lived through it. But at the same time, they're giving advice from their viewpoint. Like you said, they're giving advice from, you know, you get a stable job. The big thing is stability. And they were raised by parents of the great depression. So it's like mm -hmm. stability, you know, and it's get that stable paycheck and it's get the stable house. And it is, you know, we have, we had a pension, you know, my right. dad is going to get a pension when he retires from the state. So he gets a pension and it's like, well, I don't know where any of that shit is right now, you know, right. like they had right. kids at my age, you know, it's like, everything's totally mixed up. Well, in to add on and all that's correct. And to add on to that would be that, uh, they're, they're, I mean, and I tell all my older clients this, people who are my age, I'm 42 and up. Mm -hmm. If I tell them that they're going to live over the age of 100, for the most part, they disagree with me. And they say things like, uh, well, I, no, I don't want to live to 100 or nobody in my family has ever lived to 100. And I just kind of shake my head and go, okay, did anybody in your family have an iPhone before 2007? Right. You know, I mean, 
a lot of stuff's changing right now. And longevity is really is really pushing out how much you need to save and and how you should save it. And the man, the game is completely different, and yet we're still trying to play it by the same rules. Um, so yeah, rewrite the rules. But you have to do that. Have right. To. Okay. Interesting. Um, there's a comment here of someone wondering, uh, like if you're saving 20% and pay off your debt at the same time, is that just a matter of getting your expenses in order to be able to do both of those at the same time? Actually, you, you get to this 20% savings first. Okay. So there are some very popular old cranky gurus on the radio that will tell you that you have to pay off all your debt before you can do anything and eat rice and beans and all this other kind of bullshit. The problem with that is it doesn't it doesn't address behavior at all. And so if you think about it, let's let's take it out of the world of finance for a second. If if you've ever been on a, you know, a a, a diet or a juice cleanse or, you know, I'm going to eat nothing but grapefruit and cayenne pepper for a week and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like you right and then you do it and then at the end of the week you're like, "Oh, all right, dude, check that box off. Now I'm going to go crush <laughs> the pizza, right?" <laughs> Same thing happens with finance. So if you follow the old crusty guy who yells at you and says that you have to pay off all your debt before you can do anything, you might you might do that. But as soon as you pay off that last credit card statement or car loan or whatever it is, now you owe it to yourself to go and have some fun and you know, you just could go right back in debt. Oh, right, right. So right, yeah, the cycle. The cycle continues. And so I want people to focus on that savings number first. Um the, the debt pay down comes later. It's not a math formula. Like, don't try to make the math work on that because you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. If I'm getting 1% on my savings and I'm right. paying 15% mm-hmm. credit card debt, you know, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm saying it's it's really a behavioral issue. It's a mindset. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's go back to that 20% thing. If you're at, I don't know, 4% savings today and you're hearing me say, get to 20, you're going, oh my God, I'll never get there. Again, going back to like the health industry, that's the same thing as the 250-pound guy going, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be 172 pounds. I'll never get there. Okay, go from 250 to 240, mm-hmm. and then we'll figure it out, right? So go from 4% savings to 7, and then we'll we'll deal with it then. So I, I really want to key in on that behavioral part. That's a fantastic point. Have you read the book The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson? No, but I'll write it down. <laughs> write it down and check it out. I actually just sent it to um, Eric as well um, to check it out. I have a major hard on for this book right now because it like it just is basically what you're saying. It's like instead of you know when we look at things that we need to improve on, um, yeah. you know, it's like oh my god, I'd lose a hundred pounds. It just seems so daunting. And he basically says, look, it's just about tiny, simple habits. And let time do the rest for you. Stop worrying so much. Just those things that are really easy to do, but easy not to do. So saving 5% of your paycheck and then you in six months you say, now it's going to be 8%. And guess what? Right. 10 years down the road, now you're saving 30% and you have all this money saved up. And he's like, just use time on your side instead of using time against you, basically. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really good mindset, mindset shifting book, though, that follows what you were saying. Yeah. yeah, that's the premise. I agree with that premise completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, yeah, that's great information, uh, by the way, student loans is a major thing. Like I said, I have it. Aliona wants to know, does she consolidate? Does she refinance? Does she run away to a deserted Island and never pay a penny? Mm, I like that. What Island? That's the, that's the, right. <laughs> that's the question, right? <laughs> I would go to Cuba. Where I don't know where you would go. Dude. Oh, Cuba is so funny to me. I was just in Fort Lauderdale, uh, coming back from a speaking gig and I, I heard a Southwest agent saying now departing for Havana. I was like, what the hell? Um, you should go, man. You should go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, it, well, it's probably easier for uh, like one of Eric's buddies just went down there. Um, you know, single guy, uh, some dough in his pocket can do that differently than uh, me with four kids. But um, oh, yeah, yeah, like I'm big big believer in the islands. That being said, her real question is, um, should I consolidate? Should I what pay off or should I, should I, I, re- should I refinance? Consolidate them all into one, you know, mm-hmm. or run away? Kind of just what are the what are the what's the best option? Okay, so there's a little math here and a little behavior here. Um, a lot of the consolidation stuff, it used to be that you could really consolidate it at a pretty good rate and get a good deal on that. I don't, I don't really see that so much anymore, like with my med students that are mm-hmm. becoming clients of mine. There's not a lot of good options on that. Um, so here, there's two, I'll just give you two thoughts on this then. One thought could be throw them all in one bucket, right? It's easier to track. Um, the other thought and this is kind of popular in the circles, and I do tend to agree with this, is no, just pick the smallest one and pay that thing off first. Um, again, it's a behavioral thing. It's, it's chunking is what they call it. I don't know if this slight edge refers to that concept, but like endurance racers will refer to something called chunking. You know, just just get to the stop sign and just get to the curb. And um, right. So if you can pay off that, that $5,000 student loan before you tackle the $35,000 student loan, there's a victory there, one less envelope, one less email. Um, and so, you know, if my kid, my oldest kid's 10, but if she was leaving college right now, I would tell her, uh, chunk it, meaning grab the smallest one, pay that off first, regardless of interest rate, and then go to the next one. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's keep then like same, yeah, same basic concepts, just incrementally improving yourself, improving the situation. It's funny there. Um, I stole this from Eric. I don't know if you guys talked about it, but he, he says something along the lines of, uh, simplicity exists on the opposite side of complexity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did um, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he just said that to me the other day and I'm like, holy shit, that makes a lot of sense. Like it took me four hours to figure out what the hell he said because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a California dude and I'm not. So like I have to decipher what, the, what those, what those dudes say, but um, yeah, right. You know, fine. Personal finance is really the same thing. Everyone wants this real complicated answer. And for the most part, pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And that would be mainly save, pay off your debt, save first and then pay off debt. Would that be a mantra that you would protect first? Protect, right? Okay, I'm just trying to like even simplify it even more. <laughs> yep. For, protect I'm... for. Oh, go ahead. Well, here's the problem. So if you let's say I'm 23 year old Joe again, yeah. right? And I'm back in Washington D.C. living the life. Um, you know, I'll have to go back. Anyway, yeah, I'm so trying, I'm trying, know, trying to you, picture yeah. what you would be doing at 23. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was it was it was fun. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I had that brand new black Jeep Cherokee before they looked oh. like you know. Oh, I you want to buy one so bad. Those are so sweet. You had the doors off and everything. Uh, n- no, I didn't do that. These were back when the Cherokee Classic, not the Wrangler. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Wrangler. Yeah. I don't know what the Cherokee Classics are. Yeah, the Cherokee Classics are the old boxy. Like they, they look okay. awesome. They're, they're. I have two Wranglers now. Uh, I got a four door big black like military looking one doors yeah. off all the time, and I got a green one that we have fun in too. But um. Badass, yeah. uh, Anyway, back so back to twenty three year old Joe. The reason why the reason why I say protect first is that like, well, the good news is I didn't get sick, I didn't like, I didn't lose my paycheck due to health reasons or lawsuit, so everything turned out okay. But what if I did? So at twenty three years old, what if I did get, I don't know, like testicular cancer and I couldn't work for a year? Right, right. Um, that would have ended me because uh, I didn't. Ha- I mean, I didn't have any family money. Like my parents didn't have any dough, so. That's why I tell everyone, I don't care if you've got kids, if you're married or if you're single, your number one um, asset is your is your cash flow. 
is your ability to earn that paycheck. Right, right. Uh, so you have to protect first. It's boring. It's it sucks. You know, you, you look at it and go, oh, I could do more with that money. Put the moat around the castle, protect first. Yeah. Uh, world-class saver number two. Um, be liquid number three and pay down that debt number four. Debt. Okay, great. Well, yeah, those are great four components. Um, yeah, I have. I don't have health insurance. You know, and it's like, yeah. I'm done doing the 28 year old, like, ah, I'm fine. Like, I, I think I'm going to be fine. And, you know, my parents will harp on me. If you get an accident, we're going to be paying for you, you know? Yeah. So that, like, that, yeah, you're it's right. Funny like, we're going to be screwed. So get health insurance. It, it's, it, I, there's a term for that. I think it's called uh, moral risk. I think it's called moral risk. And, and all it really means is that like, same thing. So like when my kid grows up, my, my oldest, let's say she goes up, she's, she's 22 years old and she's like, I, I feel healthy. I'm not getting... Okay, that's all well and good, but if you get sick, mom and I aren't going to let you just sit in the gutter. So you not having the health insurance and you not actually allocating your resources responsibly is is a – I have to bear that risk as the parent. Right, right. Right? And we see that play out all the time. Like on Facebook, you'll see – how many Facebook things are you going to see today for um, GoFundMe because some dude died and left two kids and now we all have to chip in 50 bucks to pay for college. That is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Dude should have had life insurance. <laughs> like it's not expensive. It's like 10 bucks a month. 50 bucks a month. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a personal responsibility thing, Pert- but, uh, well, no, it's interesting. It's because I never, I hear so many people harp on investing, saving. Yeah. How do you pay off student loans? And I've, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about protection first. And especially if, if you're 20 to 35, like you said, and you got yeah. all this energy and you know, single or, you know, you just have a girlfriend and no kids. My God, if, yeah, if yeah. I was to get cancer right now, like you said, that all that would go out the window. All of my, potential for earning would be completely shot and gone. Yeah. So you use a really good term there. Uh, so, so let's back this up and, and think of it practically all, you know, we all understand like, Oh, stock, the stock market. And you look at the prices of the stocks, the price of Apple or the price of AutoZone or whatever the case may be. All that price really is if you simplify it. <clears throat> so one share of AutoZone stock, let's say is 700 bucks. Yeah. What they're doing is they're saying all the future cash flows of AutoZone stock, its net present value today is $700 per share. You would need 700 bucks per share to equal the future cash flow. Okay. So that's you have a stock price too, and I have a stock price. So you said potential. So if I'm sitting here, let's use easy numbers, and I'm making, uh, I'm making 50 grand a year, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm 25 years old. Well, if you've got 40 years to go, 40 years times uh, 50 grand, it, I mean, what is it, $2 million? Mm-hmm. That's, that's your... No increase in earnings, your potential to earn over the next uh, 40 years is, is $2 million. So the net present value, you're worth like, I don't know, 800 grand today. Oh, um, thank you. And oh, yeah. <laughs> there you are. So I mean, now you could be making 100, you could be making 500 or 700, but we all have a potential to earn income mm-hmm. until we don't. So what could take that away? It could be a lawsuit where now you got to pay 30% to the government, 30% to this uh, you know, this plaintiff that you, you hit somebody in their, your car, or it could be that you're disabled and can't work. It could be that you die. It could be a lot of different things that take that paycheck away. Uh, so you got to protect that thing. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's fantastic advice. Um, and something that, yeah, I think a lot of people my age never hear. Um, it's, you know why? I, let me tell you the dirty little secret. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's, oh, I love the dirty little secrets. Yeah. Let's hear it. Dirty little secrets are the best. So in my industry, uh, you've got insurance guys and you've got investment guys. Okay. The insurance guys want to sell you insurance. The investment guys want to sell you investments. But what do you think is the easier thing to sell? Insurance or investments? Investments. Big time. 
So the insurance guys kind of get pushed to the side. And, and most of those guys are actually in the world of investing now because they figured out like nobody wants to buy disability insurance, but everybody will buy this like super cool Roth IRA where I promise you like gazillions of dollars. Right. Uh, so it's a path of least resistance. And my industry is mainly headed towards that, that world. So whatever you'll buy from me, that's what I'm selling you. I won't tell you the truth. I'll just tell you what you want to hear and then sell it to you. Yeah. And, and when financial people have a terrible reputation for that, don't they? I mean, and we've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> we have earned it. God bless us. We've earned it. Yeah. 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 How do you combat that personally on like on a little more esoteric note? How do you like, you know, kind of combat the, uh, I feel like it would be somewhat of, um, a debate in my head between like, I know I could sell this person, this product for way more commission yet. I know that they would benefit from this. And you'd be like constantly battling these demons in your head of, do you do, yeah. do that at all as a financial oh, advisor? Yeah. God, yeah. Uh, more so when I was younger yeah, um, yeah, and right. I was still struggling, you know? Right. Um, it's a little bit easier now when I'm sitting on a nice hefty balance sheet making all this money and I'm, I, I basically be like, look, dude, here's the truth. And if you don't want it, see ya. It's okay. But yeah, I, I totally battled that early on. And, and the way that I would handle it was two ways. <laughs> one's funny and one's true. The funny part was I would say to people, look, you need these, you need these policies. And yeah, I'm going to make some commission on it. But honestly, if all I was doing this for was commission, dude, I would sell cars or cocaine. Like I'd sell something right. that people want, right? I wouldn't go sell right. disability insurance and life insurance. That's the last thing I would sell. Nobody wants that. Right. Um, so I'm not doing it for the commission. I'm doing it because it's necessary. And then the second thing I would do is I would usually show people my own balance sheet. I still do this to this day. Um, an aggregated meaning like a mint.com where everything's updated every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Quicken does the same thing. We have a product that does it. Um, I'll show them my balance sheet and say, look, here's what I do with my money. If I'm telling you to do something radically different than what I'm doing, cry foul. But if they're lining up pretty much the same way, then mm -hmm. I don't know. If you like my balance sheet, maybe you should do right. what I'm doing. And, and it helps to be like, okay, this guy's not a hypocrite. Because that's the biggest thing you're always trying to figure out. Like, what is this guy just trying to sell me? And what does he actually believe in, right? With anything. Right. Totally true. Yep. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. Um, the path of least resistance, too, to touch on that real quick. It's like, I mean, you don't want to buy the insurance. You want to buy the savings, right? I don't, I don't have health insurance because it's like, ah, eh, fuck that. I don't need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but instead, I will, I mean, let's say health insurance would cost me $250 a month for like a premium plan, which I think I looked it up under Blue Shield for um, Kaiser Permanente, for instance, like their top plan would cost me like $250, right? Okay. Which would cover me to millions and doctor's visit and everything. Um, and in my mind, I go, $250? I'm fine. I don't need it. <laughs> Do you know how much money I spend on shitty food? Or yeah. I went out to the, I went out to a few places, you know, go out on the weekends and, oh, I just spent $80 on that bar tab. I spend so much more money on stuff that is not contributing to my life at all. Right. You know, I mean, and especially in a health wise. And yet I look at 250 for the health insurance and I go, that's too much. I can't do it. <laughs> it, uh, it it's not just you, Alex. There, I deal with people who make, you know, 800, 900, $1.2 million a year and they do the same damn thing. Um, now the numbers might be different, but the percentages are the same. Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, so I'll hear how they can't afford whatever. Uh, and then you see them in Lululemon dropping, you know, two grand on like, you know, anti-stink shirts. Like it, people right. are people, behavior is behavior right. and mostly it's bad behavior. <laughs> okay. Let's change the behavior. Got yeah. it. Um, 
switching uh switching points a little bit over to investing i had a lot of people just and like you said it's the sexy part right right i think it scares a lot of people carly and dylan and stephanie all wanted to know basically this question i don't invest in stocks at all it's intimidating to me with all the options help should i not worry about it or just keep doing without what's a good place recommended to start that's the general consensus Great. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm a little surprised by that, actually. Um, the perception that I have, uh, where I go and I speak, you know, to hundreds of people, is that the young folks are the gunslingers, and the old folks, like, they're out of it. Um, so that that's changing my paradigm a little bit. But let me answer the question. So let's just talk just investing right now. If I if I was not in the business that I'm in, but I had all the information that I have, what would I do? Well, I'd say, okay, assuming I've got my savings handled, my insurance handled, that kind of stuff, and now I'm ready to invest, what you need to do. And no debt. And no debt. Look, and no debt, right? For, or or minimal, minimal debt. Let's okay, say at least minimal, minimal debt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because again, unlike the guy on the radio who's like, you must do this, but now come on, look, you're going to have, you might have, I don't know, if you've got $1,500 on a credit card and you're ready to invest and you took that credit card from 10 grand down to 1500, like go okay. for it. Let's okay. go. Cool, right. Cool. Cool. So the first thing to understand about um, the market is that it's like it's like building a bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. When they built the Golden Gate Bridge, they didn't build it to be static. I know they can't see my hands on a podcast, right? But like the Golden Gate Bridge doesn't just sit there; it sways, it moves, it moves side to side, it moves up and down. And if it didn't, it would break. Right. Um, and if it moved too much, it would break. And so people tend to look at the stock market as if this is some mystical thing that we have to have like gut instincts and feelings around and you don't. What you need to understand is math. And all the bullshit out there where, where people talk about the advisors who can beat the market, you need an advisor to beat the market. None of that's true. It sounds cool, but there's no academic support to it. And the advisors make well, money when everyone thinks that, right? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. not just the advisors, like the guys like me, they're literally hand-to-hand combat with like the people, right? Selling to the people. It's the it's the people who run the mutual fund industry and they want to transact a lot, right? There's there's fees and all this stuff. Yeah. But the truth is nobody knows whether it's going to be Apple or Samsung or Nike or Under Armour. Nobody knows that. Nobody know look, nobody knows if it's going to be Trump or Hillary. Nobody knows if it's going to be Brexit or not. Obviously, we don't know shit. Right. So <laughs> what we do know is that every stock has what's called a standard deviation. And all that really means is movement. And the individual client needs to figure out, okay, well, how much movement can I handle or volatility can I deal with? So if you're, if you say to me, Joe, I, I you know, I'm a, look, if the market's down 20%, I don't care because I'm not going to sell it. Then what I would tell you is great. You need to go to a fund company and you need to buy uh, you know, a, a United States uh, based fund, like an S and P 500 fund, large cap fund. Okay. Not a managed fund, something like a Vanguard or something like that. Now I can't, tell you to go buy Vanguard because then I, you know, my licenses and things like that. So I'd get in the crosshairs with compliance, but a good fund like that. Mm-hmm. You buy some United States uh, based funds, large cap companies. Uh, then you go and you buy another US fund with small companies because large companies and small companies are going to get different returns at different times. Typically, you also want some international. Uh, so you can't just invest in the US. You want to invest internationally. And then you also have to blend in some bonds or some fixed income. And the combination, the allocation, or how you like combine all those ingredients really just depends on how much swing or sway you can take. Okay. And a good advisor will help you with that. 
Um, and if you can understand that, then go and buy a well-allocated portfolio of mutual funds and you can do that online. You can do it on your phone now or you can do it through an advisor. Okay, so I have, I've cut down my debt. I have taken care of the protection, the savings, I'm liquid and I've cut down on my debt and I have three course invest more invest more um right okay cool interesting for savings um savings was another big one and it seemed to come down dominique and joe both um had questions of basically what you know she dominique said i'm almost 30 years old should i be saving up to buy a house or continuing to spend every penny traveling the world joe has two kids um and he wants to know about college education so the big question kind of just seems to be should you like, what are suggestions for savings plans for, you know, if you're looking to get a car, a down payment, college education, you know, these things that are 5, 10, 20 years down the road? Mm-hmm. And then a, a few other people asked about, should you be setting up, you know, your one savings account, like you said, that just is like, okay, I'm putting away 20, 20% in that one. And then it's like, oh, well, now here's a savings account for my kid's college education. Here's uh, our house down payment savings account. And now we have three or four savings accounts for four different things or do we just keep it all under one umbrella or do we put all of that savings money into a account that gives us a little like 5% like you were talking about what what's your savings plan uh, advice so there's a lot of stuff inside of that uh, yeah, first sorry. of all my wife and I <laughs> no 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 that's that's perfectly fine I'll try to remember it but yeah. my wife and I do keep separate savings accounts it's just how we do it so uh, you know, when private school tuition is going to be X amount of 20 grand, you know, we, we set aside throughout the year, a certain amount of money for Ava versus Gavin, for, you know, on and on and on. So we do that. We have a savings account for taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, it's funny and it's always more money. It's always the biggest number it goes into the friggin' tax account. So <laughs> taxes or, uh, col- uh, not college, but private school, that kind of stuff. We, we kind of break it out. I think that works well for a lot of people. Um, they sort of break that out now. The other part of the question was uh, something about should I save for – oh, should I save for a down payment on a house or travel the world? Right. What the hell do you want to do? Because like – you know, i got to tell you something. A house – and by the way, my family's from real estate. Like my wife's family, they're in real estate development. Most of the people will lose their butts on homes. Do not buy a house because oh, I'm 30 and now I need to buy a home. Why? Uh, maybe you do. But I don't know, maybe you should pay 2500 bucks a month and rent the, the apartment that overlooks the bay uh, rather than spending 2500 bucks a month at your inland and sweating your nuts off in you know, Southern California. I, you you got to figure out what you want to do and then they just do that. That's not a mathematical or a financial question. The college thing is a little different. And, and I get in trouble on this one. If you ever see me speak to a group of people Everyone can accept what I'm saying when it's counterintuitive, except for the college part. Oh, because good. what I tell most everybody is don't pay for college. Okay. Interesting. I, I love that. I love that because, okay, go on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's a waste of freaking money. It is. I have, it absolutely it's is. A fucking I, look, I scam. have four kids. Yeah. And everyone wants to say that their kids are super duper smart. I got news for you. Not every kid is super duper smart. <laughs> so I don't know. Like out of four kids, maybe Amelia like it's all A's and she decides that she's going to go to university of Georgia or Georgia tech for engineering. And mom and I go, hell yeah, we'll pay for that. But I'm not paying for Gavin to go drink beer at Ohio state for 40 grand a year. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Um, you know, these kids graduate, I see it all the time. These kids are graduating with, with five year de- degrees in history 
and they're teachers making 30 grand a year and they've got a hundred grand of student loan debt. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I tell you people is it, who cares what you're saving it for? Just save 20% and then make your decisions later. So if it's a house that you require, okay, you've got the money because you've been saving it. If it's college education for Amelia who gets into Georgia Tech, you can cash flow it because you've saved it. But most people don't have any money saved up for retirement and they're paying for university of wherever. So kids can go drink and become teachers. And I think that's a bad financial strategy. So what would you, so what if, you know, when you're, you have, you said your son, right? You have a son. Yeah. Three girls and a boy. Yeah. Okay. Um, when he, you know, let's, let's take the son. If he grows up, you know, and he's 18 and he wants to go to Ohio state, um, what would you tell him if he said, I got in and he wants to go do that? Would you say no? Or would you say you got to figure out a way to pay for it? Or what would you do? I do the same thing that I operate with anybody, whether it's someone who works for me or whether it's my kid or whether it's a buddy of mine. So if I have a buddy of mine who says, let's go to Vegas. And I know that every time he goes to Vegas, he gets completely, you know, drunk and does bad things. I'm not doing that. I'm not going on that trip. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Versus the guy who wants to go to Vegas because he just plays golf. Like I'll go with him. So if my son at 18 comes to me and he says, hey, pops, I got into university of wherever. Of course, it won't be in state. And it's 50 grand a year. And I look at his high school transcript and it's a bunch of C's and D's. And I say, well, all right, son, where do you want to study? And he's like, I don't know. I just like the football team. He's on his own. Like, okay. go with God, but you know, I'm not paying for that. Versus if he comes to me and says, Dad, look, you know, I've been working real hard. These are my SAT scores. You know, I want to go and do these things. And look what I've got all these internships and I, I've got the grades. Then mom and I are probably going to go ahead and pay for that. Right, right, right. Okay. Cool. So overall, just save, 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 and then figure it out down the road exactly where you want to apply those savings. Savings conquers every problem you've got. It, it because not only are you accumulating the capital, um, but you also are spending less. So your lifestyle addiction, your addiction to lifestyle, which is something I've I've trademarked and speak of all over the place. Yes. It's it's reduced. You don't require as much. And so you've now got the capability to cash flow college because you're not used to spending all that money because you've been saving. Right. Savings is the penicillin for the financial disease. I've never put it that way before. Awesome. That's that's a hundred percent accurate. Savings is the penicillin for the financial disease. Yeah. That's fantastic. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Yeah. There's not a lot of original things that come out of my head, but that <laughs> might be one of them. <laughs> no, that's good. And you know what? That's I mean, that's so that's so pertinent because, um, you know, when you, I've heard a lot like in these, you know, Tony Robbins and stuff and all that stuff for savings is, you know, once you put away, pay yourself first, I think is how, was that rich dad, poor dad, you know, so, so one of those things where it's like, pay yourself first, sure. save first, save first, save first. And then when you go spend the rest of the money that you have left after you put it away for savings, you know, that's kind of almost guilt free. Cause it's like, I already put 25% of it yes. away. Now I don't feel yes. so bad. It's like, shit, I, that bar tab got a lot higher than I thought or, you know, the shirt I want or whatever it is. And then you're like, it's guilt free. I'm literally looking at 25% every paycheck going away to this first. Um, you've nailed it. You've nailed it. I use that exact term guilt free because I only do 30 second budgets. I don't care if you make 5 million a year or five bucks a year. I say, look, you, you make what you make. It's a hundred percent, whatever it is. First thing that comes out of that is taxes. So let's just say you make a hundred grand. The first 30 grand goes to the government. Um, the next maybe 10%, maybe you're giving to God, you know, maybe, the, and that's not your money. You don't view it as your money. So you give it away. Right. And the next 20% is also not your money. That's savings. That's your money for when you're 70 years old. Right. Um, 
So right away in that in that world, we got 60% that's gone. It leaves you 40% guilt-free money, exactly the way I say it. So what do you want to do with that? You want to you get a fancy, dancy, uh, super-duper car and have a, an apartment? Good. You want to drive a beater and live in a beautiful home? Good. I don't right. give a crap. What you, you want to travel Europe? Right. Fine. It, it, like, right. That's the thing. When people say, well, should I buy a house or not? I'm like, well, no, you're... You're in, it's the wrong question in the wrong order. Right. What are you doing with your cash flow? If we handle that first, then like it's guilt free, man. Do what you want. Right. Yeah. Figuring out what you want. The lifelong, the lifelong question. And it never ends. <laughs> Shit. And most most sixty five year olds that I deal with who are retired still don't have any friggin' idea because they put no work into it. Right. right. Um, so your your audience, uh, and and I think the world today where we have access to things like podcasts and different ways of thinking is, is such a beautiful thing because I find that younger people are putting more work in who are they and what is happiness and, and what's it going to be for them. Things that other generations just never even thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because it, and it creates this friction between the younger and older generation I'm noticing because like I said, the older generation is more of this is what you do because that's what you do. And now, like you said, we have the internet at our fingertips, right? So I can, we can look up all these things about, you know, different careers and different lifestyles and different drugs and different that, that, and that, and how to do this and this. And then we go, well, that kind of sucks. You know, like maybe we should try it this way. And they're going, what? No, like this is the way it works. You know, it's, we've been doing this and it's creating friction and tension. It's doing that in my own industry. I mean, normally for, you know, for advice like this, where I sit down and, and talk to somebody, I mean, they got to pay me a lot of money to do that. Now we have access to it for free on things like these podcasts and things right. of that nature. And people in my industry are losing their minds. Really? Because they're going, oh my God, they're going, well, they're saying one of two things, either, ah, that'll never replace me. Or they're saying, holy shit, I have no value anymore. Now, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I see it. I mean, it's, 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 it's just like the cab driver who thought Uber would never work or, you know, Marriott who never thought Airbnb would work. And right, right, right. It, it, it all works. It's all changing. So uh, yeah, and I, you know, and I, I give you kudos for adapting because I think that's hard to do. So I think it's good because you know, podcasts like this, it's like yeah, you're giving away free information, I guess, that maybe other people would want to charge for. But at the same time, it's like now all the listeners hear you and they go, "Damn, that's that, like that's super cool." This guy to give this advice, you know, like who is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm gonna go hear him speak. I'm gonna go look at his website, or you know, now I don't yeah. feel so bad about financial advisors, or it just changes the whole mindset. And it puts, it's good for both people instead of just like, no, I'm not, you want to ask me about loans? Well, give me $20 first, you know, this is my rate, you know? It's the purest form of capitalism that exists. And what's so funny to me is people in my industry who are supposed to be the capitalists are trying to kill it because they want to keep, you know, they want to keep it the way it's always been. Right. I mean, that might be a form of maybe crony capitalism, but that is not true free market capitalism, which as an investment guru, I believe in at my core. So, you know, the, the internet and, and the new world is the most, is the most pure form of free market capitalism that I think we've ever actually even had. I agree too, because everyone can access it and the market responds to how everybody reacts to whatever it is. And people don't like it, you're done in a second. And if people really love it, like Uber, for instance, oh my God, that, I mean, how quickly did that, that took over everything. I don't even, I haven't taken right. a taxi in five years. And that's changing, right? Because Uber, where you're right, I hadn't taken a taxi in a long time, but I travel a lot. I'm starting to see Uber, it kind of sucks. Mm. Like, don't take an Uber in Atlanta, right? Don't. Don't take an Uber 
I can tell you this from uh, now Uber's going to sue me. In fact, I won't say that. Take Ubers. Ubers are great. <laughs> they get too much money. Fuck but you know, Uber. Uber's going to have a problem because <clears throat> the quality of, of their product is going down in my opinion. True, true. Yeah. So, and that's natural business models. Business models are just, they're, they're going from, you know, rookie level to, um, to veteran to out of business quicker is all. Um, and adaptation is, is key. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll do two quick more questions here. I know that, uh, we're running a little long. Let's see. Um, for real estate, like renting and purchasing, which we already covered. Um, and I actually, I heard a guy online say that you should, this was kind of cool. I forgot about this. You should rent where you want to live and then buy where other people are going to want to live kind of thing. So he's like, look, like in this, in this environment, like the internet, you're moving, you're moving a lot. People are remote. They're switching locations. Why lock yourself down to one location when you can just rent there? And then if you want to buy as an investment, buy somewhere that you think a lot of people are moving to, whether you want to live there or not, you know, and then rent where yeah. you want to live. That that was his kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that, that's pretty cool. That's a good way to look at it. I don't know that. I, yeah, I don't know that I would disagree with that. I think my my general thoughts on real estate, by the way, I, I will stay away. Anyone who walks in my office and they say they're a real estate investor, I won't work with them. Um, because they're like, they're like these cultish people that you can't teach anything to until huh. they lose their ass again. And then they okay. say they'll never do it again. Okay. Um, but so here's my general philosophy on real estate. There is a crap ton of money to be made in real estate if you are in development, right? Okay. So if you're right. really in real estate, you can just kill it. Sure. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, Trump is everyone can think of Trump now because obviously news all the time. Trump didn't make his money on flipping properties. He was a developer. Right. Um, right. And these, these uh, I'll call them kids. I'm, you know, the ripe old 42-year-old. These kids who are out there saying, well, I'm going to be in real estate investing. I'm going to flip. I got to tell you, the people I know that were in that business, they're trying to get the hell out. Right. Um, so real estate investing is tough. Um, but that advice that that guy gave, I don't, I don't disagree with it because it's more lifestyle advice. It's like, well, Live where you want to live, and Lifestyle, if you have yeah. to buy real estate, yeah, buy it somewhere yeah. where you think people are going to move to. Yeah, love it. Um, a little obscure question. This is actually from a really good friend of mine, Kevin. He's wondering about the tax benefits of having an LLC. Should normal people set them up? Because he and he, so funny, and it's funny because he does uh he does real estate as well, and he's flipped houses and stuff, and he's actually been pretty successful at it. He does it like as a side thing. Um, but sure. he's wondering about LLC, and I've thought about it too for you know even like. I don't make any money off this whole podcast and website thing I'm running, but I spend a lot of money on the equipment and it's like, should I make an LLC so then I can just throw all of my equipment and everything under that umbrella and make it, you know, tax for taxes? What What are your thoughts? So I, I stay away from giving any kind of tax advice any, anywhere, even in my own private office with my private clients, because I'm not a CPA and I can really get in trouble quick with that. But I will say this. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is not tax advice. This is, this is, uh, really lawsuit protection. What I like about LLCs, we're forgetting the differences between distributions of income rather than ordinary income, that kind of stuff. The beauty of an LLC, especially for people in real estate, if you buy a piece of property, it's a rental property, and you put that into an LLC, and something happens and somebody sues you, I'm not an attorney, but and it's every different in every state, but my understanding is that you are limiting your liability, LLC, to that property. Mm. So you're shielding the other 15 properties you own or the other $10 million of, of stock investments you might have. Um, and so that to me is one of the primary reasons to consider an LLC. The tax reasons I'll let you 
Google or talk to right. a CPA for okay. yeah. Yeah. So if you're like a blogger or have a small company, then it's not probably not going to be that beneficial. Well, I don't know. I mean, Alex, what if I what if I get an attorney and I say, you know, I listen to this guy Alex Starr, and he told me I should do this thing, and I did it, and now my fiance left me, and uh, I'm damaged. And it's his advice, and I want to sue him for a million bucks, and I get some schmuck attorney to agree, and now we're in court for six months, even if you win. Um, there's a benefit to having LLCs, I think, that is lawsuit protection right. and liability protection more so than tax protection. I think it's worthwhile to look into. Okay, great. Good advice. Um, last little section here is retirement, which seemed to freak a lot of people out. Um Amanda says, I have zero retirement accounts and plans. Not sure if I'm digging myself in a hole here. Adrian wants to know what's the best advice for saving or saving up for retirement, 401ks, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, what are your, for let's say, you know, 25-year-old, uh, they're saving the cash, like you said, the liquid, they're protected. they low on debt. Are they putting the rest of the money, you know? And then there's also investments, right? I mean, should those like, the $500 a month into those like index funds we talked about or mutual funds, should there also be extra money into this, you know, uh, Roth IRA as well? Okay. So mark this down. Uh, cause I've been saying it by the way, for 15 years, it's just starting to get it traction. Now in the next five to 10 years, you're going to start seeing that the, the common advice is that 401ks are crap. That's not right now. Right now, your your mommy and daddy, who you talk to about finances all the time, are going to tell you that this Joe on podcast is an idiot. That you got to put your money in a four hundred one k. Right. And I'm telling you, do not do that. It is a rip off. Okay. okay? You're 25 years old. You're making 25 grand. You'll never be in a lower tax bracket than you are right now. You do not need a deduction. Okay. okay. What you need is savings because what happens with a four hundred one k is that you just simply pay whatever tax bracket you're at down the road. And yeah, you've deferred all that. But what happens if you're in a $25,000 tax bracket, your effective bracket is, I don't know, 10%. Then you go to retire and you pull it out and you're in a 60% bracket. And I see that happening to people. I mean, mm -hmm. if you just look at the history of taxation in this country, it's, it's been all over the map. So for the young folks out there, listen, you know what you need to retire? You know what you need? You need money. You just need money. You don't need a 401k. You, don't need, you, could, ever, you could never buy a stock and you could retire. Because right. you've built up 15 rental properties that are your retirement, right? Right. So it comes back to savings. Um, no, I don't think – if it was Amanda, no, I don't think you're behind. I mean I don't know your situation necessarily. But understand, again, from a longevity standpoint, you're not going to retire at 60 or 65 because you're not going to die at 80 or 85. You're going to live to 110. Mm -hmm. My, my one-year-old daughter, Rosie, will live to 110 plus. I mean it's just the way that <laughs> – unless the government changes that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the way it's going to go. So we're all going to be working a lot longer than we think we are because, again, it's different now. Um, I think you need to focus on the amount of money you save, not necessarily where you save it. Okay. Uh, and once you have that basic cushion of savings, like real traditional savings, savings account kind of stuff, you just need to start investing. Um, I would tell you to remain liquid. It's what we talked about. So maybe right. use that S&P 500 fund that's not in the 401k. Right. Oh, but Joe, what about the match? Do the math on this, the money that you give up on the match versus being liquid. For the most part, it's the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like it's not – don't worry about the match. Okay. And the last thing I'll say about this is, is this. The Roth feature is really good. I like it. Um, Roth IRAs are great for youngs, young people, millennials and stuff because you can access up to your principal with no um, uh, taxes or, or penalties of any kind. 
Um, it does come out tax-free whenever you choose to pull it out. You can use it for a first home purchase. So a Roth IRA is a pretty good deal for people. Um, and if you've handled all the other stuff, protection, et cetera, I think that's the place to go. Okay. So protection and savings. And uh, we put some extra money into an IRA and then we put a little extra money into a standard Vanguard mutual or index fund and kind of. Yeah. I think a Roth IRA, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, man, that was so much good information. That was, uh, that was the main like brackets of the, you know, core of people's, uh, you know, freaking like questions and stuff, um, for this. So where would you, do you have like a specific, um, but well, t- tell us about like, I mean, do you do private consulting as well? Like, tell us about like your company, like where can people reach you if they wanted to do, you know, if they wanted to get more consulting? Sure. So, well, there's two spots. If you're looking for just financial information and financial consulting, just go to joedelisi.com, D-E-L-I-S-I, joedelisi.com. And you'll see some videos on there. You'll see a bunch of anything that's on there. I view the written myself or, you know, it's all. You have a blog post too. I checked it out. Yeah. You have some great blog posts. Yeah. 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 Those are all just things I write. So you can, you can get to me through there. You can schedule time with me through there. If it's just financial, um, I have a separate company, which is all, uh, behavioral coaching. Uh, so that's financial health, nutrition, exercise, et cetera, because oh. they all really tie together. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's Foxhole partners. And the best way really to reach me there right now, I think is on Instagram and it's, uh, Joe Delisi three, six on Instagram. And uh, we're just kind of building that all out right now. But it just depends on what you're looking for. But one of those two areas would be great. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that that you're combining. I mean, like like we've been talking about, it's the mindset first. And then it just and, – and that slide edge book, like I said, I have a major boner for that book right now. So I just keep talking about <laughs> it to everybody. But it really does like – that. that's the mindset. You take that mindset and then you just apply that to your finances, to your health, to your relationships, to your, to your fitness. Yes. You know, And then you just – it kind of builds off of that. But instead I feel like a lot of us are trying to like, you know, pick and choose. I mean, I'm speaking from my personal experience. It's like picking and choosing what things I want to fix, but I have no groundwork for, you know, instilling those good habits to really just watch everything else fall into place. You know what I mean? So I, I like that. Yeah. What you're talking about is called compartmentalization. And, mm-hmm. um, right. right. And yeah, there you, go. You, you really, you can't do it. I mean, Tiger Woods, um, Bill Clinton, I mean, the, Bill Clinton was a great politician. He was a crappy guy. And then it blew up on him. And Tiger Woods was an amazing athlete, but a crappy husband. And then it blew up on him. So my premise for people is you can't just handle your finances and ignore your health. You can't just do your health and ignore your finances or your relationships. That's compartmentalizing. And at some point, it blows up on you. And so all my credibility that people know me for is in the world of finance, but uh, it can be applied across the board. Right, right. Amazing. Cool. We'll stick around for two seconds, but we'll, uh, we're in the podcast there, man. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I know everyone that's going to be sure. listening to this is going to get a lot out of it. So I appreciate your time and, and thanks a lot. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. You can find Joe on Facebook or his website, Joe Delisi. That's uh, D-E-L-I-S-I. He's got some great content on there. He's got blog posts, and he's creating an entirely new mindset uh, coaching system as well. He's just a real nice guy. We talked a lot about other things after the podcast was over, uh, so make sure and check him out. And you can check out our video at alexstar.com slash 36. Have a terrific week. I love all of you and enjoy the spring slash summer weather. Later.